that there was once a man, deaf and dumb, who was cured of these debilities by Christ is a sure historical fact. Part of the great tradition indicated by St. Paul in the epistle. Yet the memory of one miraculous healing among so many others was preserved in the gospel for its deeper significance as an aid for our faith in Christ. Although these two infirmities, deaf and dumb, are often spoken of together, we should recognize that they indicate not only the impairment of two faculties of the senses, but the two differing modes of receptivity and expression. For it is by the ear that we take in the word of Christ, the creed, the gospel. And it is by way of the tongue that we confess a faith conceived in the soul. And so there's an intake and an output, to use a rather clinical expression. Now, what relevance might these debilities of nature of the afflicted man have for us? Can we not characterize the condition of modern man as being in a state of deafness to the truth of Christ in the Catholic faith? And can we not say that those who have been given the gift of faith are finding their tongues tied in such a crippled condition that they cannot speak openly what they know, defend the truth against so many manifest errors, and cannot give courageous testimony by their words and deeds. While these rhetorical questions hang in the air, I turn again to the epistle reading to hear St. Paul speak of the traditio, the inheritance of doctrine, scripture, creed, worship, and morality, which comprise the Catholic faith. A unified package of a received tradition which has formed and informed the lives of holy men and women for long generations. The significance of the word tradition is not only that it is some venerable thing from a past time, but that it is a fixed law, a standard and rule of life, which is to be welcomed, received, and put on again and again to mold and change, to educate and elevate, to inspire and ennoble the natural man of the world, to become a Christ man, a Christian, a supernatural man, 
who has been renovated by the grace of Christ. And here we come to recall the gospel passage just sung. The most fortuitous meeting of a man in his miserable state with the divine physician results in a new creation, a man transformed, who by a miracle of Christ can see, which is to say, know the truth, and who can speak, that is, confess his faith openly, and so much so, as the gospel tells it, that the news of this miracle couldn't be suppressed. And now we return to our present condition. An obvious resemblance to the unfortunate condition of the man before his happy meeting with Christ. One wonders how it is that belief in Jesus Christ as God incarnate the very faith which once transformed the pagan world is now becoming so rare and even absent from men's minds, from their ways of earthly living, from their laws and public policies, from the things that they read, from their entertainments, their political opinions, their work ethics, their educational establishments. Where has Christ gone? I just returned from a blessed week of retreat with the Benedictine monks of Clear Creek Abbey in Oklahoma. I only now am come down from the mountain, so to speak, Much of a spiritual experience such as this is personal and incommunicable of its very nature. However, the visible, audible, tactile impressions of 49 Benedictine monks, the majority of them, by the way, young men, constitutes a living and vibrantly so, embodiment of the Christ life in them. I observe these men at their monastic prayers, the divine office sung in Latin, to melodies and formulas that reach back to medieval times and even further to the synagogue in the time of Christ. I watched the way they walked, moved, ate their meals, and worked. I heard their voices, not individually, silence being the general rule, but in their quiet ensemble and enchanting the praises of God and extolling His mercies. I wondered as I watched and listened attentively day after day 
what power it was that drove, motivated, and ordered the lives of these 49 individuals, each with his own life's history, personality, talents, and abilities, diverse families, and educational pasts, to unite in a common, disciplined, orderly, harmonious, peaceful, and very productive life? The answer, surprisingly, may be found in a book. Or rather, not so much in a book as in its regulated prescription for living deeply immersed in the mystery of Christ. It is the rule of St. Benedict, which opens this way. Its first word, ausculta, which is Latin for listen or hear. Hearken, my son, to the precepts of the Master and incline the ear of your heart. Freely accept and faithfully fulfill the instructions of a loving Father so that renouncing your own will to fight for the true King, Christ, you take up the strong and glorious weapons of obedience. Yet it is no book that so penetrates and conquers the mind and will of a man, converting his entire life. Rather, it's the yoke, the band, the chain to Christ. Like bees in a hive, these holy men engage themselves in a productive industry which churns out a holiness which is a society for the praise of God's glory. And the offshoot of this essentially spiritual dynamism is a Catholic culture, rich in every aspect of life, beauty and goodness, charity, kindness, chastity, art, architecture, learning, wisdom, peace. These and much more are the testimonies of a life inside Christ, a kind of incarnational imitation of Christ. Even as an outside observer, though willing participant, I could catch some of the Christ spirit of these godly men and feed from the scraps of sanctity that fell from their table. Such a monastery is the very apex of Christendom, the once actual society of public life in the world during the Middle Ages, a time when the Catholic faith permeated every aspect of personal and social life. The outpouring of goodness and holiness there 
is represented in the man of the gospel by his loose tongue. Because out of him, who had been transformed by Christ, all goodness came forth. But the tongue's release was only consequent of the opening of the man's ears. First came into the soul of him the grace of Christ, the gift of the Holy Spirit, symbolized by Christ's fingers put into his ears. This is the rule, the necessary condition for the good outcome of a blessed life, of a condition of peace among men, of radiant joy on men's faces, of art and culture and learning and beauty and goodness. And so now we come to you. Unless you submit to Christ and stand before him in your infirmed condition, in a posture of submission, of acceptance, even of abandonment to him and his gospel, you will never have the happiness and the goodness you yearn for, either in this life or in eternity. Not all are privileged to become Benedictine monks, but each one has to take upon himself the law, the rule, the gospel of Christ, which is the Catholic faith. And failing that, you are cursed with deafness and dumbness, a misery due not so much to fallen nature as to your own obtuse will.